All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I truly believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so that we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang. So before uh, this person speaks, I'm so excited to have this person on. Uh, she's going to teach us a lot about stories and 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 how they stories really uh, connect us and 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 sell us on each other. Um, but before I do, just a quick intro. So this, she is, uh, you know, she's someone that's uh, been in the world of uh, talent acquisition, employer branding. Uh, so she helps talent acquisition, employer branding leaders, corporate communication leaders tell their company stories using video to attract and retain quality talent. So she co-founded a company called Skill Scout to do just that. She's an amazing public speaker. I'm going to put some links into to some awesome uh, talks she's given at Disrupt HR and other conferences. She co-founded an awesome nonprofit called Mezcla. Media Collective with the goal of elevating women of color and non-binary filmmakers in Chicago. Um, and it's a growing community of over 400 plus members. She is a pro at telling stories through the workplace. Please welcome none other than Elena Valentine to the podcast. Welcome, Elena. Hey, I'm happy to be here. This uh -huh. is a, my favorite topic per usual. And <laughs> I will note, and as we'll have this conversation, I learned a lot of my my storytelling abilities through sales. And some of my biggest mentors, one of my biggest mentors is sales. So wow. yes, my origins, my origins still are very close. Awesome. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you because this is, um, you know, not a typical uh, sales podcast. And like I say in that intro, you know, the, the people who influence us in our lives um, influencing people and and really connecting people and getting people to get drawn into you. People sometimes say, um, you know, getting people to buy into you is a myth. Stop trying to do that. We focus on the value of your product and, you know, okay, but, um, you know, that doesn't really totally like align with me because we're all buying into people, maybe subconsciously, consciously all the time. And I do believe in, in that um, we don't um, yeah, you know, if you try too hard to get someone to like you and to, to, to really connect with you, then, then maybe, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to you because you, uh, just are, let's just face it. You, you tell these human stories through the workplace and everyone has a story as a human being. We just do, we grew up and we all have them. And sometimes we blow by them. And I want to really dive in and dissect that, that today with you. But before we do that, I want to find out about the human that is Elena. And you have some, such an interesting line on your um, uh, LinkedIn. So um, although you're a filmmaker now and you run a company on corporate video, um, you were a Latin jazz singer before the, the filmmaking bug took over. I, I, I'm just reading from, from what you put out. So um, what do you love 
and what did you love? What did you love about Latin music, and what you what do you currently love about Latin jazz music? It was just it was just a feeling, you know. So I I thought for a long time that I would, and I was training to become a jazz singer. <laughs> And I thought that that was going to be it. But what I have found actually, and, and there was a time when I didn't think that there could be anything that could challenge me, that could stimulate me, that could hold my attention in the way that performance and singing did. Um, and I have found really that the creative outlet that I found through filmmaking and storytelling really helps to fill that. And inevitably, what I'm doing at Skill Scout or what I was doing as a jazz singer was being able to connect with that audience to make that audience person or that viewer feel something. And hopefully the feeling that I would have wanted to emote is, is, the, one that they, is the one that they feel. So there's, there's, lots of, there's lots of synergies there. Awesome. I, you are, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, people have told me, like, I love, you're always thinking, you're so curious about what people are feeling. And I, I get that from you too. Um, and, and, and no person has, every person has worth in, in your eyes. I, I see that, like, you've, you've said so many quotes and uh, on that. So tell me, like, what was there, was there some instance that said, you know what, I need to make a calling out of telling these human stories of the workplace and and why and 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 why they matter and and why companies should make them matter because so many companies I've seen you give talks on this sell their jobs in a very boilerplate bulleted text way mm-hmm. when we've had video for decades and we've mm-hmm. had the internet's made it easy to produce video for years what made you say we need to do this and and why does it matter yeah so i think in order to share that it's worth sharing a bit more about my story yeah let's do it and where yeah. i come from so i'm born bred raised staying in chicago and when i graduated college i knew that i wanted to serve my community and my first job out of college was to be a labor organizer for at the time, the second largest hospital system in Chicago. And what I learned in my experience as a labor organizer was being able to witness and observe for the first time just how much one's work meant to their identity and to their livelihood. And that was a really important moment for me. I think also as a labor organizer, one of the biggest things that I saw in terms of a skill was the that there was truly an art and science to organizing, an art and science to making connections, but more importantly, an art and science to really elevating people as leaders to own the the work of, of unionizing, to kind of own the responsibility and accountability to bring people together for change. And that's really important because that continues to, to stick with me today. It's kind of, you will see through the trajectory And then like many labor organizers, you get burnt out. And so I said, look, if I am going to be working 10 hours a day and every other weekend, it needs to go back into the creative arts. Um, And so I'm a sound engineer by trade and, uh, you know, graduated from Tribeca Flashpoint in Chicago as their second graduating class. 
And interestingly, per usual, just like many other trajectories, um, I found that actually I did not want to be a sound engineer. And I was super blessed to find a home with a design uh, innovation consulting firm in Chicago. So very similar to kind of an IDEO-like environment, human-centered design, design thinking. That's how inevitably I became professionally raised. And so when I got there, what I ended up doing was in some ways being a visual ethnographer for the Fortune 100s. So as a design researcher, our role was to be the voice of the consumer throughout uh, the kind of the entire design experience as we're thinking about ways we can innovate on new products or new services. And one of those said projects inevitably changed my life. And it was a project that looked at this national challenge in America of 6 million young people, not in school or in the workforce, and how do we connect them to more meaningful pathways to employment? So once again, we see this full circle of work. And one of the, the big things that we saw, particularly with this group of young people who some of them had records, some of them didn't have any job experience, some of them had never left their neighborhoods, was that you cannot be what you cannot see. And job descriptions don't show what a job's like. And so when we took a step back, we realized that there was a power in story. There was a power in video, initially just to get young people excited about work and excited about the careers that were ahead of them. And so with the essence of what we started to do, even prior to founding Skills Scout Films, was just to film jobs. And it started to work. You know, young people started to put their phones down. They started to ask questions. They started to get excited or not, which was kind of key to kind of the stories that we're telling. And it was from there that we knew that we had something that, you know, what I saw as the workplace is being very inspiring, filled with a lot of opportunity. What we saw was that there was a hiring process that was not, that there was a hiring process that was shutting out not just young people of non-traditional backgrounds, a lot of populations. And that exposure was a key part of that. And so that's kind of a lot of where kind of the zeitgeist and the why comes from was that we aim to change the narrative of work using film as a way to do that. And so at Skill Scout, we exist to capture the humanity of work through stories that matter. And film just happens to be the medium, right? Yeah. I think there's a difference between the tool that we're using and why we're doing it and the approach that we're using, which inevitably is through story, is in a more kind of qualitative way to make the kind of meaningful one-on-one -on -one connections that we know is why people come to companies, why people stay in jobs and why people thrive. Yeah, that's, you know, I mean, we, we don't sometimes think that like those connections, like, um, we, you know, the, the art and the science behind it, because there is an art and science behind, um, you know, human connection. And, and I hope, you know, we, we'll get into that today and, and how people can develop it. Um, you know, because I love what you said, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And that's a Marianne Williamson quote, by the way. Okay. Fortunately, right. that's not mine. I wish, but that's <laughs> it's so beautiful. You cannot be. So, um, you know, what does that, 
what does humanity mean to you? Like, is there a way to define it? Because, you know, we, we all see, we all can, you know, kind of understand that we're all part of this human race. Um, but we have so many things that divide us today. And, you know, that, that, you know, frankly, we'll all, you know, maybe we'll always be divided by so many things forever. Um, and, and, and even now, like in our political climate, it's probably like the, the most divided we've been as, 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 as human beings in a long, long time. So what does that word mean to you? And, and, and maybe um, how can we really see each other in a, in a more humane way? Yeah, there's a couple of analogies for it. I think one of them is it's, it's the peeling of the onion layers, for one. So if we keep that image in our mind, I think the other thing is to remember that none of us look like our story. So right now I present to you as you know, the, the CEO of Skill Scout and you know, you've listed off whatever my bio is. There's a whole other thing about me of my reasons why I show up the way that I do, right? Comes from my family, comes from you know, my mother passing when I was younger. So, or, or thinking about the stories of my family, uh, how they approached work. I think those are the kinds of stories when I think about capturing the humanity that it goes beyond this job itself. It goes beyond why I care about this company, but it's really being able to talk about why I show up the way I show up every day to this job. And so those are the kinds of stories, those, and that, that's inevitably the humanity that I talk about. And that's inevitably why we end up making best friends at work or making the connections we make. And, and there's data behind this. You know, they've talked about how you can actually increase productivity with your colleagues and employees just by having a simple 10 minute conversation about anything but work. <laughs> It's asking about their kids. It's learning more about kind of how that weekend went or holding space for someone who's got, who you know has gone through a really, really tough time. And inevitably what ends up happening is they start to build this level of, of, of connection um, and accountability and ownership to the work and into that relationship, um, seeing that we are, we are able to come kind of people first in this work before, you know, sometimes the mission of that company. That to me is, I think, uh, kind of what I mean about the humanity and, and, and kind of being able to capture those stories. Thank you for saying that. I mean, I'm, I'm so incredibly um, heartbroken for, you know, to lose a parent at such an early age, but I feel like that's maybe how we bonded and connected too, because you know about me losing my dad earlier this year and it's, I've never had to deal with a loss that, profound um, and close to home before. And, um, you know, we all have these, you know, these backgrounds and sometimes it's hard. We use this, like um, this guise of business that we, you know, we let's keep it business focused. And I think that's a cop-out because, you know, we're all, you know, people, we all come into our work lives as, as people. And, and like, I love how you said, you know, we can talk about, anything but work. Some people think you can't do that with executives or CEOs. You just got to that's it. And that's a generational focused. thing. Yeah. It's a generational thing. Yeah. And I think that what worked 
for my grandparents' generation, I think in part for my parents' generation, is definitely not working now in a society that is so globally connected through things like social media. For generations who share the most mundane of the kind of toast they're eating that morning. If you don't think that they are not willing and open and needing and yearning to hear stories that are beyond kind of the superficial identities of I am this role at this company, you're going to lose out. And so that's why I see that there is such a resurgence of the, the value of vulnerable leaders. Uh, we're seeing that more and more. We're, and we're seeing that come to light even more now during the pandemic when those companies who have won out are, are those companies and really those leaders who stepped up to be very vulnerable with their employees, even in, even in a company where that company's not doing well. And to have that leader say, I don't know what I don't know. And to say, here's what we're doing. Uh, and... Will there be layoffs? There might be. And that's heartbreaking to me, but here's, you know, and being able to lay out the process and to say that there's things that we're still figuring out. And so there's some leaders that have done a really good job about that. And and part of this is a level of transparency. Yeah. You know, I I feel like it's so true. People like what you said, um, people are yearning for it. We, you know, we just are, you know, we're, we're, we're all, you know, great, going to be grateful for the day where we can all, not be on Zoom anymore, hug each other without masks on, you know, all the time. And, and this is a distant memory. But, you know, we, we're all like this really, this event kind of really like leveled, equalized things, I guess you could say, or in some way. I don't know if that's the word, but it's, it, it really, um, it made us seem, you know, made us connected really because we all are dealing with the same things. And we, and when you talk about those things, like, yeah, it, 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 vulnerability, it, it, it it shows that you're real. It, 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 it makes your clients think, Hey, this, this person isn't trying to hurt me. They're not trying to put one over on me or trying to put up a fake persona. Like they get me. And, you know, that's why I think sometimes like social media can, can be hurtful because people see those titles, CEO, founder, like, you know, chief, you know, VP of sales and, oh man, I got to walk on eggshells with this person. I can't, you know, open up or be my real person around them. When in reality, they're, they, they bleed the same <laughs> kind of blood that you do. And they probably are dealing with the same kids, uh, you know, around the backgrounds of their Zoom screens as you and, you know, dealing with ordering stuff on whole, like st- stuff on the internet, there's groceries and stuff like that, like you. So I love, your analogy. Um, I want to transition this a little bit to, you know, sales, because you kind of, you know, I, I think people don't, you know, want to call these sales. And I, and I can see why. But, you know, when, when I'm, I'm looking at a leader, um, and it's vulnerable, and I'm, I'm saying, I want to follow that person, he's, he or she has influenced me because of that vulnerability. Something's going off in my mind where it's like, okay, I, I, I trust, I'm building that trust. And that's all sales is, is just building that trust to say, okay, I'm comfortable going forward with this proposed change. Like I said, and sales is all about change. So tell me how you view um, that in the context of, of what you do for, um, you know, telling stories and, and, you know, maybe when, you know, you said earlier, 
um, you know, you, you identify when people maybe shouldn't um, make a sale and kind of what that uh, should look like through, through stories. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I can tackle this, this in two ways, because it's interesting, right? And on, on, on one hat, right? We are, we are in the business of telling stories on behalf of others. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, I'm also a business owner who has to sell what we do. And so the reason why I say that is because this is fascinating because I feel like the same things that we do that are we are applying to one, it's the same how I approach mm. how, we, mm. how we sell Skill Scout or how we sell what we do. So I actually want to tackle both of those because both of those are very heavily influenced by the other. Yeah. So I think the big thing when we talk about just the, um, the field of employer brand and talent acquisition or just kind of workplace communications general that's different from selling the business brand is at least when done right, right? A good employer brand story or a company story is one that allows a candidate to choose one of two paths. One path is this company is amazing. I love all of it. I'm loving everything that I'm seeing. I'm going to apply. But then there's another story that's like, hey, I'm looking at that. I do not want to stand on my feet for 12 hours a day. I do not want to lift 50 pounds. Hey, I don't want to climb a ladder that's over 100 feet. This is not for me. And that is the big difference between, you know, kind of the, the kind of employee candidate driven stories in the ones that are about selling to the business most often, right? Because when we're trying to sell our business brand, we're not talking about, well, here's where this just is like not going to work for you. Or, hey, we're, we're still working on a couple kinks with that tool. But it's kind of, it's, it's always about putting the, the best front forward. Right. And I think sometimes as salespeople, we've struggled because we are in some ways being tasked and told to sell the glossiness of what it is that we're trying to sell, as opposed to providing pathways for our prospects of here's why this may not work for you. So I think that's one of the key differences is that we already are leading when it comes to our employer brand and talent acquisition stories, at least our our experience in our approach is to say, this may or may not be for you. Totally get it. So this is just an opportunity for you to self-screen in or self-screen out because we're not here to waste your time and that company doesn't want to waste theirs, period. That's the biggest difference, I think, in terms of our approach and kind of how we've done it. And interestingly, I think as a result of, of this and how we've built that, it inevitably has very much influenced my own approach to when you know prospective clients are reaching out to us, which is to say, look, here's where it's worked in our experience or, or with clients. And look, for example, if you only see this as being a one-off initiative um, and you probably aren't gonna have any additional video needs over the next two years, we may not be a fit for you. Or if what you're trying to do is X, totally get it. We may not be a fit for you. I think part of it is, Alex, I've learned that I'm a special kind of spice and skills got the special kind of spice. <laughs> and, you know, that company might be looking for some turmeric and we're paprika. And so that is fine, company A, by all means, let me show you some turmeric. So, but, but when you're looking for paprika, we got you. 
And so I think that's, I think both of those have really kind of heavily influenced how we talk about it. And I think it as a result, and I know I can say this because I'm a small business is I feel like I have been able to show up as my most authentic self, both in a conversation like this. And in the same way that I have, you know, potential sales conversations with, with prospective clients is that I think I, I, I know that I can do that knowing that, Hey, you inevitably aren't buying skills out. You're buying me, you're buying my team. And you're trusting that who you see here is kind of that same level of vibe that you're going to receive. And I'm a fit for some, I'm not a fit for all. And that's okay. I, and I think part of it is I live in an abundant mentality, right? That's coming from my Buddhist practice. And those of those who know me know that, that I, that I only wish the best path for them especially even for prospective clients. Yeah. I think one of the key things you said there is like, you're really, you're not just going for all the business, you're going for the right business and you're going for, and, and same thing with um, people, you know, co companies are looking for people, you know, you can get anybody to do maybe a job that's qualified, but just because they're qualified, are they the right person for the, that right opportunity. Cause that's what, you know, I mean, you know, like the cost of like a mishire or turnover is, is, is massive. And I think like, that's like your whole why. And I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated when you are using your people to sell, right? Like, I don't know how much direction that companies are giving. And that would be interesting to me because I bet you the best stories are just when like the HR people are so surprised, like are, like just so overjoyed about what that person said and they didn't tell them to say it because it came from their heart. And they just, maybe they told them a theme, like, this is what I want. Like, just tell me what you do in your job. Tell me why you love working here. Or like those questions like that are open-ended to get them to just say things that they were like, you know, like, you know, and I know that they would say something like that because of what I know about how they show up every one day. One of my so favorite questions, and you can say it in all kinds of different ways, yeah. which is, you know, kind of getting to the why. Yeah. It's what makes your heart sing. Oh, I about like the work that, that you do. Mm. What makes your heart sing? And sometimes Ooh. it could just be an open-ended question. Ooh. And you so can that, even do that without even the word, adding the word work, like, but yeah, like in a like context makes... of business, that's amazing. But like, that's amazing. Cause it's like, then you got to think and feel at the same time, you know? Yeah. And so much of what we do, even as salespeople, it's a feeling, it's a vibe. You know, we're selling a vibe, we're selling a feeling. And, you know, to credit, you know, my, I call him my sales angel, my, my mentor, he really is one of the top three people who have influenced my, my professional career is Josh Braun, who I think, you know, as well. 100% love it. Who's from Florida. I mean, he's, he's really raised me in, in the form of, of the kind of human salesperson uh, I, I've wanted to be. Um, and from the get, I always remember him saying, he's like, Elena, inevitably what you're selling is you are telling that acquisition person or you're helping that talent acquisition person be more awesome at their job, to feel more awesome at their job. You know, so there is this individual thing that it is, yes, they want, to kick ass on some good retention numbers and qualified applicants. But as a result, the feeling that that person then has as a result of providing these outcomes to that company is feeling more awesome, is feeling more confident. 
And so inevitably, right, when we're, when we're working with companies, it's not just being able to kind of dish up some of those great stories and provide the outcomes. We know that what we're making and, and what, you know, instills the long-term relationship that we have with these clients is that they feel more awesome. And so I'll never forget that. And I think that was really where it, it showed that this was about a feeling. And it was also about, there was truly a personal one-on-one -on -one connection that you are making with someone in that particular company when you are selling, mm. that that's why they will continue not just to advocate for your product, or your service, they will continue to advocate for you, mm. which is why oftentimes we, we notice just how, um, challenging it can be when you have a sales leader who now leaves that organization how many of those clients end up going with them yeah yeah so that's how you end up seeing that it does become a loyalty to that person right totally 100 people other places people don't leave companies they leave people yes um, you know uh tell me a story like do you have a story of how you helped um a, a client feel more awesome or maybe how a company um, made a prospective candidate feel more awesome to, to, to want to join, you know, like something that like a sales, like somebody that's just, I mean, people listening to this are, some are in professional sales, some are just not in, I want to connect to those people that have never considered themselves in sales, but they want to, you know, figure out what people are doing to really get people to feel more awesome about what they do and, 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 and they have, a solution for them to do that. So are there questions you like, um, or, you know, is there a story that you can think of that's, um, that's helped someone you think do that? Because I bet you, you weren't trying to do it. You weren't in like making it about you. You were just making it about how the feeling of, of, of yeah, them. there's a lot, but I think I'll, I'll recall on, on two, cause you know, Yes. I mean, obviously the reason why we would get, um, you know, hired by someone again, right. Is because they've, they've seen the results of, you know, leveraging a film or a story. And, you know, I can, I can share great stories of, you know, someone who went from a $33 million recruitment spend to a $3 million recruitment spend. And so those there's, there's data behind that. And I get that, but I, I think given the new energy of what I want to do at Scott, if I can manifest and share my manifestation yes. first with you, yeah. is that I manifest to lead the global conversation on the meaning of work through the power of film. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we've, we've wonderfully so been able to kind of carve out this space for us within HR and within kind of the, the kind of corporate space to help, you know, the Delta Airlines of the world or the American Airlines of the world attract and, you know, and retain candidates through story. And as I think about kind of the new energy that I'd inevitably like to do is that we are creating films that transcends roles and in industries, that we are creating films that regardless if you're working for said company or this company, that the films that we create, and when you watch them, you, you feel something and you um, start to reflect on the meaning of your own work, period. That that's what we get to do for you. Um, and so if I think about that, you know, um, when we launched our, our kind of first Humans at Work virtual film festival, which I know that you were a part of and, and um, 
attended and, and contributed to the conversation for, it made my heart sing to get messages from folks of all walks of life and shapes and sizes of, of various companies saying, you know, that Potter story, and there these people aren't Potters, or yeah. <laughs> you know, this other one story um, really showed me that actually I I should be following my passion to do this. And so this next year, I'm gonna start making more commitments to follow that path. And that to me is what makes my heart sing. Um, and I've received so many messages of that, of, of why people like to watch these films or, or continue to kind of, kind of pay attention to what's happening next is because they know that it's the feeling that they see of, well, hey, that person followed their ikigai and I can too, or I can get closer, closer to doing that. So that's kind of a, I think a, a big win for us and, uh, and for me personally. I love, uh, we've had someone, you know, say, say that for those of you that aren't familiar with Ikigai, that the, just the meaning of, of life, the, like where the, what you love, what you can be paid for, what the world needs, um, all of those things come together. Um, and what you'll, you know, it, it, wow. Um, I think what you just said um, makes me think of a saying I like to, I haven't really promoted this a whole lot or said this in many, I've, I've maybe made a comment to someone's post, but what you just said is a is is an original quote by me, and it is, um, "You're not just in this work for the bills; you're in it for the chills." Ooh! <laughs> and I can attest. Uh, I'm watching your videos. Anybody, you're gonna have links to these videos. She produces these amazing. Her team produces amazing videos of these of just these everyday people in work. And just what they do and their why and their stories and they're and they're just they're they're they pull at your heartstrings and they they give you chills you you watch them and you you, you know maybe you you think of something about yourself and um you know people are tearing up on the the film festival that i watch so um you know i just wanted to tell you that so um beautiful um beautiful work that you do um you know as we kind of you know wrap up um you know, what would you kind of want people to know, like leave with um, um, in terms of um, what they can do in their own workplaces to, um, you know, connect to their teammates on a more human level? Anything that you would want people to maybe little things, little changes that they can make to, to kind of open yeah. up those lines of communication? It sounds super simple and cliche, but inevitably it has to start with you. The biggest questions that I get asked all the time from people leaders is, hey, I want to build a video storytelling culture. I want to tell more stories. And the first question I ask is, well, have you told yours? And have you gotten comfortable with yours? Do you know how to tell yours? And more often than not, I'm always still surprised how many of them don't or have not or are too scared to. And the question then I ask post that is then, well, look, if you're not comfortable with owning your story of this work or of this workplace, how can you expect anyone else to share theirs? Or even more so, I think it's how, how can you hold space 
for someone to share their story if you're not willing to be vulnerable yourself. And that's always the biggest thing. And I'm always very surprised how many haven't really self-reflected enough. And, and that, cha- that story always evolves, right? So totally. this needs to happen for, for yourself year. all the all time. time. But how many still kind of keep the more I'm this, I'm this, but oh no, you be vulnerable with me. It doesn't work that way. I think the power that we have to be able to help others own their stories, tell their stories, foster storytelling culture in our workplaces is that we have to start getting good at being story listeners. Mm, so it isn't just about owning your story. It's also about, you know, again, some tried and true practices of what it means to be a good story listener. And inevitably that means to be able to hold space for someone and to create a comfortable enough environment where they feel that they can share theirs, right? Where they feel like they can share the good, the bad, the ugly, where they might cry because you've, 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 we've, you've tapped in, you know, you've gotten into a place in that conversation and you've tapped something important to them. And, and it's funny, Abby and I joke around a lot, but I would say for most of the engagements, big engagements that we have with clients, we know we've done a good job that day when we made someone cry <laughs> and not because we're like, Oh, you know, we're, we're, we're evil or malicious as it is, you know, that, that we were able to foster an environment where someone felt comfortable enough and we knew them only for less than 20 minutes that they could say, let me tell you, you know, this, the challenge that I had at work or that I had at home and how my colleagues rally together to throw me a baby shower or to surprise me with the first birthday cake I've ever received at age 44, right? And get emotional over that. I mean, that, that's what you can do. And so I would say owning your own story and really thinking about your role as story listener and what you can do to hold space to make people feel comfortable enough to share theirs. I love it. I know you have to run. Um, the last question I always ask my guests is um, something about your story. So it is um, this, it's what is something or an event that um, other people would say that is totally Elena, something that would only or could only happen to you in your life story? You know, sometimes people think of it like, man, you know, your friends would be like, oh my gosh, that thing that little thing, that's something that would only Elena would do or happen to. I think people would be very surprised just how much I run my business based on my intuition and my spirituality. Oh. Hmm. I'd say about 85% of my business wow. is, run, is run by my ability to speak to spirit, to be guided by my ancestors, and to move my business based on, based on my intuition and based on the guidance of my ancestors. And for some of you, you will find that to be very woo-woo, and I understand but that's me. Can I ask, is there, that's how I show up. All right. So final. So can I just ask, is, is there one thing practice that you like to do to connect to your ancestors? Because I don't think it's woo woo. And I, 
I have an entire ancestor wall. Okay. I need to do that. I need to get um, that going for myself. And every day, you know, I light some Palo Santo wood and mm. I wake them up in the morning and I greet them and I link to them so that I know that they've woken up mm. and they are by my side now laughing at me that I'm now sharing this very public thing that they're around. <laughs> but that's, that's the truth. There's, we can dive a whole bunch into this for sure. Yeah, I know. Well, we don't have time, but Elena Valentine. Wow. Thank you for telling me that you, uh, you've, you've uh, given me ideas and, and I think the whole world is hopefully a, a more humane place because um, what you've put in and manifest every day. So for that, I thank you so, so much. Bye. Hey gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.